time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant Glenn Mosseller. Walter Strohlt here with you alongside Glenn Mosseller this week on the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. And this is our common question edition of the Retirement Roadmap where we just kind of look at some of the most common questions we've been getting over the last couple of weeks, some of the different situations that we've seen people in, and we kind of are going to create some scenarios here for Glenn to walk us through. How would he advise somebody who might find themselves in these particular situations. So, Glenn, we're going to pretend our first question here is from someone named Sam. This is just sort of a hodgepodge of some of the common questions we get and create them into one question. So let's say Sam recently inherited an IRA from her mother and apparently has to take some money out of it each year. Sounds like she might be talking about uh, RMDs or something like that, maybe. And she's wondering, should I take out a little bit each year, or should I just go ahead and take everything out all at once and then invest it elsewhere where I don't have the hassle of having to take some out every year? What would you give somebody in terms of direction? What kind of ideas would you have for them if they were in a similar situation to that? Well, Walter, I mean, the first thing, obviously, is that there's not a one-size-fits-all answer to this type of thing. I mean, there's going to be a lot of different variables. I think you kind of start with you need to understand the nature of this account and how does it fit into your overall plan and what other resources do you have, how old are you, and some of those types of things are certainly going to play into adding the context. And when we're talking about inherited IRAs, one thing we have to realize is that, number one, you know, it's an inherited IRA. You're inheriting it from somebody else who was not your account and it wasn't your spouse's account. It was another person. You know, in this case, it was her mother. Right. So now we have this inherited IRA. Number one, we have to make sure that it's titled properly and we don't just put our name on it and call it our own IRA. And that's going to be taken care of by a financial professional who knows what they're doing. But secondly, once we know that it's titled properly, we need to ask ourselves, well, you know, how old was mom when she passed away? Was she already past 70 and a half and she was taking her required minimum distributions? If that's the case, then we have to ask the question, well, did mom take her required minimum distribution that year when she passed away? Maybe she did, maybe she didn't, but that required minimum distribution has to be taken for mom. And so we need to know the answer to that. And if she has already taken it or she needs to take it or needed to take it, then that has to be taken out. If she wasn't quite 70 and a half yet, and there was no need to take her out a required minimum distribution for herself, then, then we don't have to worry about that first required minimum distribution. Then the second thing we need to really think about is, is okay, well now we've got this inherited account, we've titled it properly, what are my options in terms of taking the money out? There's two different options. Uh, you know, one is, is that you can make sure that the account is fully liquidated within a five-year time frame, okay? Or you can potentially do what's called a stretch IRA, and you can stretch it out over your entire lifetime by taking required minimum distributions. And most people get a little confused when we start talking about this because maybe you inherited the IRA when you were at age 45 or something like that. You might think, well, gosh, I don't have to start taking distributions until 70 and a half because that's what I've always heard about required minimum distributions. Well, the reality is, is that if you decided to take this quote unquote, stretch IRA and stretch it out over your life expectancy, then if it's an inherited IRA, you actually have to start taking required minimum distributions based on your life expectancy. So if you're 45 
you have to take what would be a distribution based on a 45 year old and that will be established you know right up front when you decide to make it a stretch IRA the other thing that we have to consider is number two is is when do you have to start taking these distributions so that's a kind of a quick question do you have to take it the same year do you have to take it the next year you know when does that have to be taken we already kind of addressed the idea of okay well was mom 70 and a half or not and was, was that distribution taken or was it needed to be taken but once it changes over and now it's you've inherited the ira you've got to start taking those required minimum distributions if you want to stretch it out over your life expectancy you have to start taking that by december the 31st of the year after the death of the person that you inherited it from. And if you don't meet that deadline, then you automatically default into that five-year rule where the entire account has to be distributed out over five years. So I know that we've gone through a lot of the rules and it's kind of tricky and, and confusing. What I would suggest is obviously, you know, you want to sit down, you know, you can come in, make an appointment or me, or make sure you sit down with somebody who knows what in the heck they're talking about, because there's an awful lot of I's to get dotted and T's to get crossed and making sure that you're following all the rules. You know, talk about these accounts are tax infested, right? And there's lots of potholes that you can fall into or landmines that can go off. And if you don't do everything exactly right, suddenly Uncle Sam ends up with a lot of the account. And that's not what anybody wants to see happen. Yeah. So that's really, really important to remember when you're dealing with inheritances. There are just so many different rules that enter the equation, and you can very simply make mistakes if you're not being careful. So always good to have somebody on your side helping you kind of walk through that process. This is our hodgepodge of questions edition of the Retirement Roadmap podcast here, and I've got another kind of uh, good one that this is a smattering of a couple of different uh, common questions we've gotten over the last couple of months. We'll say this one's from Scarlett. How about that? Scarlett says, I have long-term care insurance that we got a good deal on through my work, but I just found out that the cost is about to go up significantly, almost double, in fact. Should I drop it, or is it worth keeping? I'm sure you've seen situations like this many times before, Glenn. Oh, sure. You know, Walter, I mean, these kind of things happen. And that's one of the things that sometimes with insurance products, particularly like long-term care, you know, it's funny when we talk about long-term care insurance, particularly when it's a traditional type of policy. And what I mean when I say a traditional type of policy is, is that you're paying regular premiums and you know, maybe they're monthly or quarterly or maybe an annualized premium. So you pay that throughout the years. And then if you need it later on in life and need long-term care, then it's there for you. But if you end up not needing it, then it ultimately kind of goes away. It's kind of think about when you've got a homeowner's policy, right? I mean, you pay for your homeowner's insurance through the years. You very rarely have a claim and certainly rarely see a scenario where somebody's house burns down. But yet they have that insurance. And so it, if you need it, it's there. But if you don't need it, it's something that you've just paid for just to make sure. So now when we think in terms of long-term care, well, we have to ask the question, well, how can I hedge this risk or how can I make sure that I can have this kind of taken care of in my, you know, when I might need it? And one of the key things you have to think about is, is are there other ways to cover long-term care? And there, in fact, are. There's, there's a lot of different ways to cover it through different types of accounts and other types of uh, insurance products that are out there. To answer Scarlett, and, you know, in this particular case, I mean, there's not really any way of, to know until you have more details about her particular situation. You know, I mean, maybe it's going to double, you know, in, in terms of the premiums, but maybe it's still a good deal. Or, you know, we have to kind of see, well, how old is Scarlett and how soon would she likely need long-term care? 
what other resources does she have and, and, and what kind of other plans do we have in place? And sometimes, you know, with what we would call maybe hybrid products, where you can kind of get different benefits, you know, maybe it's a life insurance policy that's uh, you know a traditional life insurance policy, but maybe it has some long-term care benefits, or maybe there's there's an annuity that has other benefits as well for long-term care. Sometimes we can kind of kill two birds with one stone and utilize something like that that it might be a better fit. On the other hand, you know, we we need to explore and kind of delve into it. If you listen to my podcast for a while, you you realize that I'm a big proponent of the idea that there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all, and we need to really explore and find out the details. But certainly, if for no other reason, the fact that the prices are going to go up significantly, maybe double, you know, it's like, okay, this is a red flag. I don't automatically just run for the exit door, but I certainly need to just check it out and make sure that what am I doing and am I, does my decision still make sense or maybe I should now make a different decision. And that's where, you know, hey, it's it's a good idea to get some guidance because let's face it, Walter, I mean, not very many people spend a lot of time studying this and understand how these different types of policies work and what kind of needs there might be and, and those types of things. So, you know, get that second opinion or you know, consult with somebody who kind of help you walk through your decision-making process as to whether or not you want to hold on to it or whether it's time to, to move on and do something else. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense, Glenn. And That's why you have to be so careful about things that are on that periphery of financial decision-making, like long-term care insurance. Again, it's not about, okay, what return am I getting on these dollars? But it's still a huge part of the equation. How do you handle the issue of long-term care? And there's a couple of different directions for you to think about that Glenn just outlined. Uh, Let's get one more kind of on our hodgepodge of questions here, Glenn. This has been a pretty common one from a lot of different people, I think, not just over the last couple of weeks, but over the years, this is a pretty repetitive question that we get. And that's a good thing, because that means that you're pretty good at answering this and figuring this out for people at this point in time. And that would be somebody who comes to you and says, you know what, we've never really lived on a budget our entire lives. And so now, why would we want to go and now live on a budget in retirement if we haven't been used to that throughout our whole lives? However, if we don't have a budget, how do we make sure we don't run out of money, you know, 10 years before we die, you know, 10, 20, 30 years into retirement, we run out of money. So how do you help handle that issue of folks who have never lived on a budget and now kind of start to see at least the need for a budget or at least kind of recognize that, you know, their way of doing things is going to make things harder going forward? Well, Walter, I mean, this is a tough one. Budget is a kind of word like diet, right? I mean, everybody, yeah. nobody likes a budget and nobody likes the idea of a diet. But we really have to be aware of what's coming in and what's going out and what resources do we have. And really, I mean, when we're thinking about the you know budgeting process or figuring out the income plan, is I, I think it's a better way of thinking about it, is, is that our income plan should be tied to our expenses. There should be some flexibility in there because if there's not some flexibility built into that plan, what's going to happen is it's going to be so painful that you're just going to just leave it by the wayside and not not pay attention to it at all. And then that's like almost the kiss of death. Then it's just like, okay, well, Katie, bar the door. We're just going to do whatever and see what happens. And and that's the worst thing that can happen as, as far as your income planning and, and looking out for your expenses and so forth. One of the key things is that we talk about having income and income streams and certainly Certainly one of those is Social Security, right? And and one of the big benefits of Social Security is, is that, you know, it's income for life. It's going to come in there. It's going to be deposited in any of that checking account, you know, month in and month out, you know, year in and year out, you know, all the way through until you pass away. And the same thing would happen, you know, with the pension. 
right? And so some folks have a pension, some folks don't. Certainly everybody understands the basic idea and whatnot. And so one of the things that we always ask is, is that, you know, how much income do we need to know that's reliable, that's coming in, you know, all the time, and it's going to be there deposited in the checking account throughout your retirement years. And so there are some times when folks say, you know what, I need a little bit more of that reliable income that I know can be there. And so we start to explore and find out, well, how can we position monies to make sure that that happens? And that preferably we'd like to see, you know, a way of being able to have that cash cash flow or that income increase over time so that we can help hedge against inflation. And there are different ways of planning for that. And of course, we need to explore what are your the particulars about your income streams and the assets that you have and, and whatnot to find out and build a plan. But what I would say is, is that you don't be resistant to the idea what we've got to do is we have to work with the idea of a budget or an income plan needs to fit where you are in life and also fit what you have and the resources that you have and the lifestyle that you want to lead. And it should be something that it's that's extra comfort and, and rather than, you know, creating pain. And so if it's only about pain, then you, you kind of need to shift thoughts about it. Or maybe, you know, think about, you know, maybe who are you talking to about how are we going to deal with this? And maybe it's time to get a second opinion. If, if you can't see a way out, you know, out of it and just making it something that's just awful and arduous, well, the, you know, then obviously you need to get a different coach or, you know, have a different consultant. And, you know, that's certainly something that I encourage folks. It's like, let's sit down, let's get a second opinion and let's kind of see where you are. Where do, do we need to make some changes and adjust so that we can know for sure that you're not going to um, outlive your money? So important to remember all of those things. And if you need to have that kind of conversation with a financial advisor and you haven't been able to do that before, or maybe you just haven't had these kinds of conversations at all with your current advisor, always good to get a second opinion of how you're doing things as you approach retirement. And Glenn Mosseller can provide you with a free consultation if you just go to the bottom of the page on greensbororetirement.com. Again, that's greensbororetirement.com. You can schedule a review there by clicking free consultation at the bottom. Or you can call Glenn directly at 336-291-3535. Glenn's a registered financial consultant and the founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting with an office in Greensboro on Mears Chapel Road. Again, go to greensbororetirement.com to schedule a free consultation, or you can call 336-291-3535. Make sure you're making the right choices with your financial life, and Glenn can help walk you down that road and serve as your coach through the process. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's podcast, the hodgepodge of some of the common questions we've been getting over the last little while. We'll look forward to talking to you again next time here on the Retirement Roadmap. 